0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So we're in week two of the story, and for the, this year, we are immersing ourselves in the story, God's story of redemption, um, and it's a walk through the Bible all the way through from Genesis to Revelation, and we're doing the first part through the spring, going to take a break in the summer and then pick up the, the rest of it in the fall. So we're in, in week two of it, and by the way, just so you know, um, if you're not familiar at all with the Bible, the Bible is not one book. It is a collection of 66 books written by at least 39 different authors over a time span of thousands of years. But it all tells one story. It is God's story of redemption. And we started last week with chapter 1 where we found out why things are not the way they're supposed to be. That given this choice, that God provided generously and gave everything, and from the beginning it was all about grace and God's provision, and all he asked was that you would trust him. That we would trust Him. And given the choice, we chose differently. We chose, and each one of us are guilty of it, we choose our own way. And with that came sin, with that came shame, with that came, came hiding, um, with it came blame, all of those things that we do. But God is in the process of restoring it. And we're going to take a look this week in chapter 2 on how God began the restoration process through a man named Abraham. We're going to be talking about faith. And particularly when faith gets hard. And so I want to kind of start with this question by just show of hands this morning. How many would say that you would be willing to admit that at least at times in your walk of faith you have found it to be hard? You have found it maybe difficult? Um, found some doubt, found some questioning, found some uncertainty in your own walk of faith. Anybody here ever feel that way? Okay, so we're all in good company this morning. We have all gone through that, and it doesn't matter whether you are just beginning in this journey of faith or if you've been a part of this journey for a long, long time. In fact, it doesn't even matter if you're here this morning and you're not sure what you believe. Maybe you're here because you're wondering, what is this God story all about? Well, we're going to be talking about this idea of faith, what it means to trust God, particularly when it doesn't seem to make sense, particularly when it just seems to be so hard. And we're going to be looking at a portion of the story in Abraham's life. And if you want to turn there, um, it's in Genesis chapter 22. And we're just going to read the intro to the story and then we're just going to get right into it. And by the way, if you have your story books, the ones that we've been giving out, that's on page 19. If you want to follow along there. It begins with this, Genesis 22.1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. It's a hard story. It's just the beginning of it. It's hard and it doesn't seem to make sense. Why would God ask him to do this thing? This just doesn't make any sense. What do you do? What do you do with your faith when it doesn't seem to make sense, when it just seems to be too hard? How do you handle that? And we're going to look at the story and take it a little bit further into this. What I want to do is hopefully open the doors a little bit to your thinking about what God is doing through this process when it seems like faith gets hard. And I want to start with this idea that throughout your life, your faith will be tested. It will be. There is no getting around it. And what we're we're told at the very beginning, in fact, the very first sentence of this story begins with this line. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Now, I believe the writer put that there because he wants us to know up front something that Abraham doesn't get to know at the time. But he wants us to know that really Isaac's life is never in danger that God is in control, and he wants us to know up front, because what follows after this is a really, really hard story. And so I think he's just kind of letting us know up front, you don't have to worry, Isaac's going to be okay. Now, Abraham doesn't know this. He doesn't have the benefit of this, but we do. So we can go on with the story, because it is a difficult story. What he wants us to know is this is only a test. This is only a test. In fact, the Hebrew word nasah, is the word that's used there, and it's a word that is only used for people who are followers of God. That This is a particular word, and it has to do with, with proofing um, or or saying, the weight of or the value of something. And as I want you to know up front, this is only a test. Now, Abraham doesn't know this. It's going to be a test, and, and nobody likes tests. I, I loved school. I loved learning things. I hated tests. <laughs> I, I hate tests. Anybody here ever like the test? Nobody does. It's just its not fun. You, you like to know. But see, there's the only way that you can know if you really know the material is if you're tested on it. I bet every one of you have in your living room or in your dining room or somewhere in your house a lamp that has this label on it. <laughs> you recognize that label? Underwriters Laboratory, all they do is test things. And the reason they test them is they want to make sure that these things are safe, that this lamp has been tested. It's not going to catch fire when you turn on that switch. If you have a car seat with this label on it, it's saying this car seat has been tested. So that if you were in an accident, your kids are going to be protected in that car seat. It's been tested. If your child has a helmet and it's got that label in it for their bike riding, okay? It's telling you if they crash their bike, which they will as they are learning to ride, they're going to fall, they're going to hit their head. But with that helmet on, their head is going to be protected because this helmet has been tested. See, the only way we know is when we're tested. The only way we know the depth and the value of our faith, the only way we really know where our faith stands, it's if it's tested. And although it's not enjoyable, it's unpleasant, it's sometimes downright difficult and hard, your faith is going to be tested. Not once, not twice. It's going to be be tested all through your life. Abraham doesn't know it. But his faith is about to be tested big time. Now, by the way, faith was not something new to Abraham. This comes about 30 years after God originally came to him and said, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave all that's comfortable right here. And I want you to go to a land that I will show you. Well, where is it? I will show you. And so he packed up his family, his wife, um, his, a few of his servants, and, and his uh, nephew, and they moved out of the land that they were comfortable with, and they moved into a land of promise called Canaan. And he spent 30 years of faith following God, not knowing where God was leading him. And he didn't do it perfectly perfectly. In fact, he stumbled. There were a lot of missteps along the way. God had made all kinds of promises, unconditional promises to him, that I will make of you a great nation, that I will give to you a land, and I will give to you a people. And and it made all of these promises, and all along the way, you find in the story of Abraham these missteps. On more than one occasion, when he comes into um, into an area that's ruled by a king, and the king kind of takes a fancy, fancy to his wife, Sarah. And Abraham is a little bit afraid about what might happen to him if the king kind of gets interested in his wife. And so he tells his wife, tell him you're my sister. Which you can imagine did not work out very well. And he just, all kinds of mistakes. All kinds of mistakes. But he kept following God. And now God has asked him this incredible thing. You see, this son was a son of promise. This son Isaac was the beginning of that nation that God was about to build. And all along, this has always been about faith. By the way, this is important to understand because sometimes we think, I said it last week, sometimes we think of the New Testament as being about all about grace and trust and faith, but grace and trust and faith are all through the Bible, all the way back in Genesis. God chooses, he chooses Abraham to make a nation of him, not because he was special, not because he was powerful, not because he was influential. He chose him simply because he chose him, and he offered them this opportunity, this gift, and he said, just trust me. I will make of you a great nation. Just trust me. I will give you this land and the descendants of this land. Just trust me. I will give you a son. Now, understand, when God tells him that he's going to have a son, Abraham is 99 years old. And this is long before Viagra, okay? It's like... And, 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 and they actually... It, 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 you read the story, and actually, he kind of chuckles. And when Sarah, she kind of overhears it because she's at the, inside the tent. She's listening to the whole thing, and she starts to laugh. And so when they have the son, they name him Isaac, and Isaac's name means laughter. And it's kind of an inside joke God has with this old couple. In fact, John Orper writes about it this way. He says, people laughed. People laughed at a child being born in a geriatric ward with Medicare picking up the tab. They laughed because Sarah was the only woman in the supermarket who's buying Depends and Pampers at the same time. And people laugh when Sarah stocks up on strained vegetables for Isaac, Abraham, and herself because nobody in the whole family has a single tooth. It's kind of a joke. Yet God comes through. It's all been about faith. In fact, it says, Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. For 30 years, he just kept trusting. He wasn't perfect, he didn't trust flawlessly, but he kept moving forward in his faith. And now, nobody's laughing. Because now, as God has asked of him something unbearable take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you it's unbearable I thought God was a good God why would God ask him to do something so so anguishing so it's unthinkable what is God doing here Why would God put him through such a thing? Maybe you've asked that question of yourself. Maybe you haven't experienced anything like this, but you've gone through some hard times. You say, God, I thought you were looking out for me. I put my trust in you and look at what's turning out. This is not right. What are you doing with my life? What is God doing in this test? Well, you're going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tested all throughout your life. But when your faith is tested, here's what's going to happen you're going to discover an awful lot about yourself. Because that's one of the things that testing does. See, God always leaves room for the choice. That's what grace is all about. It's all about this relationship, and a relationship is based on trust. And so there is this choice. And in those choice moments, when faith gets hard, and we are faced with those tough choices, will I continue to believe and trust and follow God even when it doesn't make sense Or will I not? We are at that deciding point. It makes us come to grips with what is it I really believe? Because you see, faith isn't just some mental assent to, to, to a belief statement. Faith is a way of life. It's a way of trust and following in a relationship with God. And I think what comes to his mind is the same questions that come to all of our minds when we go through those difficult times. What did I do wrong? God, did I mess up somewhere? Have you forgotten about your promises to me? With all of his questions and with all of his doubts, with his confusion, his anxiety, his anguish, Abraham chooses to obey. So the story goes on. He sets out with his son, with this pile of wood, and with two um, two of his servants. And it says in verse 4, On the third day, Abraham looked up, and he saw a place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I, go, I and the boy go over there. We will worship, then we will come back to you. Now, this is, this is kind of a, a, a code in here. And you'll find this throughout the Scripture. There are often these three-day stories. There's a lot of them. And and three-day stories. See, there's there's three-day stories and there's 40-day stories. 40-day stories are usually about perseverance and endurance over a long period of time. And there's all of these 40-day stories throughout Scripture. But there are also these three-day stories. And three-day stories are crisis stories. Three-day stories are the stories at which if God does not come through, all is lost. Three-day stories are are, are, are hope and faith hanging by a thread kind of stories. And you find them all throughout Scripture. We're going to look at a bunch of them as we go through this story all the way through. And Jesus' his crucifixion and resurrection, that is a three-day story. If God does not come through, all is lost. And so on this third day, they've been traveling, and he sees it in the distance. And for three days now, he's wondering, what is God up to? This seems Hopeless. I don't know what to do with this. And he uses these words. He says these words. We will worship there and then we will come back to you. There is this this faith hanging by a thread. And you don't know what's going on in his mind. Is he thinking when it comes right down to it, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to pull this off? Is he confident and trusting that God is somehow going to come through? He says, we will return. What does he mean by that? We don't know. It's kind of an ambiguous statement. Is he going to follow through with this? And so he takes his son and leaves the servants there. And they go on up the mountain. And as they're going up, the agony of this whole thing just keeps building and building and building. They are silent. Just he and his son, Isaac, making their way up the mountain. And as they go up the mountain, Isaac speaks up. Father, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. I want to kind of stop right there. I want you to put yourself in that situation. How do you answer your son, your daughter? at that question when you're dealing with all of your own doubts and your own questions and your own uncertainties about this whole situation and then your son asks you this question how do you answer that what's going on in his mind the times of testing make us come to grips with what we really believe and we're going to discover if we will be faithful or will we not what is the depth of our faith? How much do we believe in the goodness of God? Because that's really what's at stake here. When you're tested, you find out an awful lot about yourself. And the second thing that happens is when you're tested and your faith is tested, you discover an awful lot about your God as well. Because that's what else is going on. This all this turmoil, all this stuff that's going on in, in Abraham's thoughts and all of his life. But, but the other side of it is, what is God doing here? And I think God is revealing himself to Abraham in a way that he never has before. He perseveres. He carries the knife. He carries the fire. And he loads the wood on the back of his son. The wood that his son is taking up to the top of the mountain. The wood that he's carrying on his back is the wood on which he's going to be sacrificed. And they get to the top of the mountain. And Abraham builds an altar of stone. And he takes the wood and puts it on top of the altar. And then, then, then he binds up his son. Ties his legs. Ties his hands. And lifts him up. Puts him on the altar. This same son that brought him so much laughter. <laughs> this same son that, that he put to bed at night. With a kiss. Saying I love you. This same son that has now grown to somewhere around 12, 13, 14 years old, old enough to understand. And he binds him up and places him on an altar. And he takes the knife out of its sheath and lifts it up. Is he going to fall through? Is he going to fall? And, and this is the point of the story where those of us who know the outcome, we want to stop right there and we just want to shout out to Abraham it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. God's going to intervene. I know it looks dark right now. I know that it looks impossible right now. And I know you're at a point of indecision and you're just hanging right there, right on the edge. And you're wondering. But I want you to know, it's going to be okay. The problem is, we can't tell Abraham that. Abraham doesn't know that. And by the way, that's the way it is with every one of our lives and all of our walk in faith. We would love to be able to tell somebody who is struggling, who's going through a hard time, it's going to be okay. But we don't know that. Nobody can tell you that. Nobody can tell you when you are in the midst of that hardship, when you're in that crisis of faith, when you are in that difficult moment. Nobody can say to you with any certainty, it's going to be okay, because that's not how life works. Abraham doesn't know how it's going to turn out. It's come to that last moment. And then, and only then, does God speak. Reached out his hand. Took the knife to slay his son. But an angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham answers the same sentence he answered at the beginning of the story. Here I am. Now, that's not a remark about his location. What he is saying is the same thing that he said at the beginning of the story. God, I'm not running. I'm not hiding. Here I am. Whatever you want. And God says, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. The last moment, God intervenes. Now, here's the question. Why does God do this? Yeah, Abraham has some things to learn about faith. But what is God trying to teach? Well, to understand that, you need to know a little bit of the culture and the background. Because, you see, child sacrifice was quite common in those days, particularly in the land of Canaan. There was a God who was worshipped named Molech, and it is, historically we have all kinds of evidence for it, and even uncovered some of, some tablets that, that depict it, where people would sacrifice their own children to the God Molech to, to somehow appease him, to somehow get him to, to, to work on their behalf. It was quite common, and this is the land that Abraham is traveling. It wasn't common in the land of Ur where he came from, but it is quite common among the people that he is, he is traveling amidst. Child sacrifice was not uncommon. But I think at that last moment, I think one of the things that God is saying as he stops him is, he says, I want you to know, I'm not that kind of God. I am not that kind of God. Oh yeah, you see all these other gods that people worship. You see all these other gods who are sacrificing their children. People are sacrificing their children too. But I want you to know, the God that you serve, I am not that kind of God. Would never do that. Would never ask that of you. And in fact, later when he gives the nation of Israel the law, part of the commands was, you shall never, you shall not offer your child as a sacrifice. Because I'm not that kind of God. See, up until now... Abraham doesn't really know this God. He's been following him for 30 years, but he doesn't have the law. He doesn't have all the... He doesn't have anything except this walk of faith. And God is showing him something about himself that is different than all the other gods of the area. I'm not that kind of God. So Abraham calls his place. The Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And there... Is a little bit of a shadow of what's about to come. Because about 2,000 years later, on that very same mountain, another son walks up carrying wood on his back. It's the Son of God. And I think one of the things that God is also letting us know is this is the kind of God that I am. I am a God of mercy. I am a God of grace, I am a God who knows pain, who knows suffering. Because some 2,000 years later, Jesus Christ is going to carry his own wood on his back to a place of sacrifice, and at that point, no one's going to stop the slaughter. No one's going to intervene. The God himself is going to pay the price for our disobedience and rebellion. We see it all the way at the very beginning of the redemption story in Abraham. And God is wanting us to know that he's not that kind of God. He's a God of mercy and love and grace and he is a God who is willing to take your place and my place in punishment for that sin that has made this world what it is. And that is the grace of God you bow your heads with me. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.